DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to bring in our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. He joins us on the T-Mobile and Sprint special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Steve, good morning. Morning. I remember when I was a kid and the Chargers sucked forever, and they won a division title. Not a playoff game, not a Super Bowl, a division title. And a columnist started his column with, they are champions at last, and the city is awash with euphoria. I don't know why that sticks with me, but it does. And then I thought of the Lakers winning championship, and I thought of Steve Cleveland, Laker lifer, you know, went to UC Irvine, was right there in the Southland for a, a lot of drama and a lot of good times, and I'm thinking... They are champions at last. Yeah, it's been a long, grueling decade, hasn't it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. Finding uh, out how the other half lives. What? The lottery uh, again? What? <laughs> well, i tell you what. I, I, we, we've talked about this, and uh, I think this thing could have been done a little bit earlier if we had just kind of gone small from the get-go. But, uh, you know, last night... Uh, watching that game and obviously LA had a focus and I don't think any, I don't think Miami had much left in the tank. They had, they'd played so well and given so much, but uh, to actually see them do this, I, I just love it when Anthony Davis was inside, you know, where he'd be around the hoop, he could rebound the ball better. He could actually defend better down there, have a presence. Uh, he could step out and they're, they're just better defensively when uh, they could pretty much switch one to five a lot of times. Uh, it's just the game came easier when you didn't play two bigs in there, and it made it easier to defend, they better offensively, and, uh, and, and Davis then could be a threat on pick and pops. When he's a screener uh, and you got LeBron coming off of it and they got to give help, there were just so many little things that I just felt watching this series that I said this series is going on too long, longer than it should have, and that's not taking anything away from Miami because they were incredible. But uh, I just felt like the matchups were in L.A.'s advantage if they went small. And uh, it, it worked out well, and, and they, they dominated. Yeah, I was thinking of you when they did that because they made an, a note of it that Caruso, I don't think it ever started, and there he was in the starting lineup. And then by the second quarter, they're up 30 and I'm thinking, oh, man, that old basketball coach over there in Fresno knows what he's talking about because <laughs> that, that obviously was a massive difference. And maybe they would have won anyway because I agree with you that the Heat were pretty much out of gas and expecting somebody like Jimmy Butler just to play out of his mind uh, every single game is almost difficult. Uh, it's maybe too difficult to ask. He was brilliant for stretches for sure. Why do you think it took – the uh, coaching staff of the Lakers, I don't know if they were reluctant. It just took them a long time to get to this point. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it did take a long time, and, and, and you got doses of it during the course of the game. You know, uh, they, they'd substitute to that point in the middle of a game. But if you, if you watched that game last night, I mean, they switched everything right at the point of the ball. I mean, there was no space. And when you're having to show and, and, you know, heads out and then get back, they, those Miami shooters were so good that they didn't need but just a little bit of space. But when all of a sudden now you could switch one to five and be there right at the line of the ball and contest shots, it made it much, much more difficult for Miami to get good looks. 
And what that does for a team is it gives you confidence. It gives you confidence to be a better defender than you probably really are because it's a whole. It's it's more than some of the parts where we're connected on a rope here, and it, it doesn't matter. No one's going to you know. Occasionally, someone might slip a screen and dive to the basket and so forth. But if you got good help side, that's not going to be. But that wasn't what was beating, you know. Certainly, Anderson and uh, uh, the little young guard. They, they they were shooting that thing. They had space. They they had little to no space. And so I don't know why it took so long, but it was, it was once you saw it, you go, okay, I get it. And Anthony Davis was so much, he, his, his statistics may not have been as, as good as they would be where he's on the perimeter, but when he can go from being inside out, he's just such a threat. And, but I like him around the basket. They needed him to be a rebounder. And, and, and that's what he, I mean, he had 15 boards. When he's out there playing the four, you know, he seldom got inside. He just seemed like a he was just stuck out there. And he was no he was kinda in between where you're in no man's land. You can't help the team offensively, you can't help them defensively. And making an occasional three and an ooh and all play, that wasn't gonna get it done if they were gonna beat Miami. So um yeah, it it was better that way and it made it much more difficult on Miami. They they could not get the separation that they had, had previous games. I thought of you, especially on one play, and I know it's just one play in a massive second quarter when they blow the game open, but there was an inbounds underneath, and when you put one big guy with four guys spread around the, the well, you have one guy inbounding the ball, but three other guys on the, uh, on the three-point line, they inbounded underneath to him, AD, and he just turns, pivots, and dunks. Like, there's no help when there's no second big guy. And it seems so obvious, and you pointed it out to us multiple times, which makes me think that it must be something, because their whole coaching staff, there's a bunch of guys who are smart enough to figure that out. There's no way that none of those guys figured this out. That tells me there's something about personal relationships, friendships, loyalty, and they didn't make the move because they were winning so easily. They never yeah. lost a second game in any other series. They were never close to losing the series. Maybe one series they lost a game one. Maybe it was the Rockets. But they were never close to it. But once they lost a second game, they're like, to the relationships and the friendships and the loyalty, we're, we're, we're not messing around anymore. Do you think that's you know, why that plays out that way? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And I, I don't think any of us really understand what it's like to, to kind of be in a in – a, atmosphere for four months that is so unlike their lives and that maybe is the the greatest job that every every one of those coaches that came down there to get these guys to keep them focused to be together that we can do this i know it seems like oh yeah this is a bunch of millionaires living in you know swimming pools and and tennis courts and pickleball courts and and you go out and fish you know it seems like a great holiday but it's not something that they were used to. I mean, where you just can't leave. You felt like that bubble felt a little bit like prison. You know, we can't leave it. And that plays on your head and your mind. A lot of these guys are young and being away from family and friends and loved ones. Uh, you, had to, you had to really, really, uh, outside of basketball as a coaching staff, do things to bring them together. And that culture that they developed, I mean, every team – has its characters and guys that are harder to coach than others. Um, but I, I guess I would credit all the NBA teams for how they focused, uh, but certainly for those that had to be there for four months. Uh, 
I, I know to a lot they may seem like, well, hey, they, these are the richest guys in the world. They're prima donnas. You know, what, what, what's hard about it? But the mental part of it, the emotional part of it, being away from you know, people that you're used to being around every day can take its toll on you. And I think we saw evidence of that from several of the players. We just talked about uh, just the emotions and the mental uh, breakdowns and, and just uh, the loneliness and a little bit of depression that existed with a lot of different players. So, yes, I think there was an opportunity to really come together. And uh, the Lakers, uh, they, they did a great job of that. You know, their staff, their coaches, all the support people. Um, and, and not and having LeBron James as a mentor and, and as a captain and as someone that is, is outspoken, um, he must have done a lot of things off off the floor, away from everybody. I, I can just see him mentoring and helping. So, and it's not that other teams didn't do that as well. I'm sure they did. I mean, Jimmy Butler had a huge influence on those young players. But uh, that bubble was really, really difficult. And, uh, you know, those seri- all, a lot of those series would have gone differently had they had to have gone to a home court and, you know, four times instead of three or, you know, the neutral court. I mean, it was all different, but it was the same for everyone. But I, I completely agree with you. Uh, it, uh, it was amazing how they were able to keep it together. And, 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 and culture is hard in a, in a normal environment, but they found ways to really stay connected. And they bought in and give LeBron a great deal of that credit. And then the guy that, to me, it, obviously if LeBron or AD aren't there, they're not going to win it. But Rondo was the X factor here. And I don't I don't think they win the series the way things were going without Rondo. And uh he, he had the ability to I mean, I don't know, he just had the confidence, guys trust him and more than anything, LeBron James trusted him. I mean obviously he had a lot to do with him being there. But Rondo made huge plays, uh able to score on his own and was just kind of a glue guy from that experience that he had had. Um he 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 was the X factor. He's the reason he, he's what got the Lakers where they got to. I mean, obviously, they'd never get there without LeBron and AD, but you're going to take someone outside of that. Rajon Rondo was incredible. Fun to watch. They needed a guy like that. Not that the other guys, Caldwell Pope, didn't do good things and Green Crusoe, but Rondo's a real point guard. And uh, he kept that team together and found ways to get easy baskets. And that's hard to do in playoff time. Yeah, just how valuable are those veteran guys who have been there, done that, and by the time you get them, they're really only interested in winning? That's the truth. That is the absolute truth. There are no distractions. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's a 21-year-old guy that's, you know, can't wait for practice to get over so I can get over there and go fishing in the afternoon. Uh, no, he, he was there, and that's the same mindset that LeBron James had and, and you know, you look at Danny Green. He won, you know, he won championships in San Antonio, Toronto, now L.A. and at North Carolina. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he's got a championship pedigree, and he, he took a lot of heat for missing that shot. But you know, Danny Green was a valuable piece of that team too, and, and especially defensively and hitting timely threes. Uh, I felt bad for him. He kind of got uh, blasted by his the fan base and some ugliness there, but. Danny Green has, has had a pedigree that also he's been there before, has done this, and could uh, glean from those experiences. 
Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, Sunday night, while the Lakers are clinching the title, but the game's a blowout, and the ALCS game, one is on, and a really good Sunday night football game is on. Those games are both very competitive, high-end teams. Seahawks are PK's pick to win it all. They're 5-0. and I haven't seen the ratings yet, but they must be terrible. I'm thinking the NBA's got to be feeling a lot of pressure to start this next season in January so they can finish it in August and kind of have the normal amount of days off and all that, and it takes about eight months to play it out. I just can't think they want to compete with football again. No, no. And I I had heard uh, Adam Silver uh, in a conversation just recently, you know, because there was a lot of talk that they wanted to do something in December. And uh, and I think that's been nixed. And first of all, this, this, the whole thing, everybody needs kind of a rest yeah. <laughs> and just to walk away from it and take away from it. But I think it starts in January. What will be unique, and I've heard conversations, there's a narrative about the Olympics, but it, it appears that Adam Silver is, is going to start in January, and uh, which is the end of football. So it will almost be over. I'm not sure when they're going to have their Super Bowl and all that's going to happen. But for the most part, uh, get this thing done. Uh, but there is going to be a conflict with, with the Olympics. And it didn't seem like they were going to, at least at this point, it doesn't seem like they're going to be willing to rearrange the schedule and play more games during a week so we can accommodate the Olympics. I think it's more, uh, you know what, the best players on the teams that aren't in the playoffs and the best college and, you know, players, they'll be the ones that make up the, the Olympic team. So I don't, I don't think the NBA, uh, I think they want to get back to some normalcy. Uh, and, and I'm sure the season will end a little bit later, but then everything will be back to normal. But I could see the Olympics in terms of the team there. It won't be the same type of a team. Plus the fact I, I could see a lot of the really great older players thinking to themselves, you know, I've already done this. We've been playing for two years straight here. It's been a long, long season. Uh, I'm going I'm to say uh, I'm going to take a break on the Olympics and let younger players get involved in it. So. And the Olympics are huge. Our, you know, our country, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, and you take great pride in it. But I, I would be really, really surprised if the NBA tweaks their season. Doesn't seem like they're going to do it. I, I don't think they should. There's plenty of good college players and other pros, and, and uh, they can represent the country. That's the most important thing is you represent the country. It's, it's great if you win a medal, but just represent the country in a great way. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's been, this has been a long, long process, and uh, – I mean, we think about it. We've been we've been on the air for about a long, long time. <laughs> Usually, this is about a five or six month deal. <laughs> so we get. I hope you're not getting tired of me. No, not no. at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy being on with you guys. But it, you know, you start thinking about it. And, man, we've been talking basketball for a long time here. <laughs> and uh, but it's been good. And I, and I'm I am happy. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of any any real team. But just being from L.A. and, and as you've mentioned, the Dodgers and, and the Lakers are teams I kind of grew up with, the Rams. Uh, I, I like it. I'm happier when they win if they don't. I don't lose a lot of sleep if they don't. But uh, uh, it, it is nice to see some of the folks from the homeland doing well. Well, Steve, we want to thank you for uh, sticking with us through the NBA's longest year. I was, 
I was I was reading a thing that now it's been like a year since everything broke with China, right? It was the preseason, yeah. and Daryl Morey sends out the tweet, and LeBron says what he says, and it's been a year, and now China put Game Five of the Game Five or Six, I guess in Game Five of the NBA Finals, uh, back on TV. There, I mean, all this stuff that happened, it seemed like such a big deal at the time, and it was, but it's also a long time ago. And you've been you've been a champ coming on week after week with us. We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm, I'm, you, you're good guys. I, I don't know that I would do it for any other two guys. I appreciate you guys, <laughs> how, what you do in that community. Uh, do we have an idea when our schedule's been set for college basketball, for preseason games, or is any of that out yet for Utah? Well, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, specifics for some schools are leaking out, but for other schools, they aren't known yet. So uh, we're, we're kind of in a gray area right now. So, Good. But when, when college basketball fires up, we'll, we'll get you that. Maybe we'll bug you for the draft or something. But that still gives you a month without us. So, you know, you need a little free Absolutely. time from DJ and PK. All right. Hey, listen, thanks, fellas. Thanks, great, Steve. Great Thank you. For the run. Yep. Yep. Bye-bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us through the NBA's longest season. It ended with the Lakers winning the title. I can just jazz fans just shaking their head. All right, Steve. I'll let you celebrate your Lakers this one time, but don't do it again. Oh, I'm so I celebrated hard last night. If I would have been down there in LA, <laughs> I would have been I would have been down at Staples Center just going crazy, lighting off fireworks and doing that. I mean, it's been a long, grueling ten years. Yeah. All right, when we come back, everything that was in today's show, plus one story that just broke while we were on the air with Steve. Sad news. We will get to that next. Stay with us. Nothing else matters, fellas. Every day we go to work. Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. You gotta go faster, faster. Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day. 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The single setback. He gets the ball. He gets hit. I don't think he got there. It's going to be close. It's going to be oh so close. It's Seahawks football. He did not make it. Madison got the handoff, tried to go over his right guard, and did not get there. Russell, look out. He's going to fire inside, reaching up, making a catch. Does he hang on? He does. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown, Seahawks, and it's Metcalf who reaches up and makes the catch. The Seahawks improved to 5-0. Good Sunday night football game. They beat the Vikings. Big plays from the offense down the stretch. A big play from the defense. Feel better about that Super Bowl pick or just too far to go, PK? <laughs> oh, it's way too far to go because that would mean I would feel worse about my KC pick because they didn't get it done. The Raiders got it done. Uh, these are things that happen in the course of an NFL season. So I, I don't sweat it either way. I mean, they would have lost, but they didn't lose. They won the ball game, and they're really good, speaking of the Seahawks. Seahawks are 5-0, and and we should mention they got competition in that division. The Rams are 4-1 and in a year when seven teams are going to go to the playoffs instead of the traditional six as the NFL changes the format, not just for this year, but permanently. Uh, the Cardinals are 3-2, and so look out for them. The Niners are 2-3. and They've had a bunch of injuries. They got blown out yesterday, but that's a really strong division. But the Seahawks 5-0 and after that win. Uh, the other undefeated teams, Green Bay is the only other undefeated team in the NFC. They had a bye. They're 4-0. and uh, Pittsburgh got to 4-0 with a, uh, a win over the Eagles. 
And, man, with Roethlisberger out last year, they kind of dropped off to 500. But he's back. There don't seem to be any questions. Once in a while he fidgets with that elbow, and I'm wondering, okay, how bad does that hurt? But other than that, uh, they look really good. They do, but, you know, the division is pretty tough, so a lot of football left. And now, I don't know that uh, that division is going to get three. Maybe they do. Maybe they get the, the both with, wild cards. Yeah, with seven teams, you can't rule it out. The Steelers are 4-0. and The Ravens and the Browns are both 4-1. and The Browns, we, i I, I got to admit, I want to dismiss the Browns. I do. But 4-1, and they, they kind of caught my eye. Indy's 3-1. and I know they're not the greatest team ever, but they're pretty solid. 3-1 and in the NFL. That's a good start. And the Browns handled them pretty decisively, 32-23. Got a big pick six to blow the game open. They did. Uh, the Bills 4-0 and the Titans 3-0. Those are your other undefeated teams. Uh, Alex Smith's comeback attempt. He's back playing. He had to come in because uh, Kyle Allen got hurt. Alex Smith got sacked six times. The Rams really got – they already had a couple sacks before he even came in the game. So the Rams are way better than Washington. But Smith got in there, and that was a good story, and his wife and kids applauding and all that stuff. It's a great story, but there's no future there for the for uh, Washington. the pigskins. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Speaking into existence, PK. Keep going with it. I like it. <laughs> uh, what is the future for Dallas? Dak Prescott. Compound fracture, dislocation of his ankle. Uh, it looked ugly. He had surgery already. The prognosis is supposed to be good for him, but not for this year. So now, man, that uh, Andy Dalton signing comes in pretty handy. A starting quarterback in the NFL who's taken te- multiple teams to the playoffs. He's your backup, and he got him down the field twice for field goals in the last couple of minutes. They tied it with two minutes left and then kicked the game winner as time ran out. Dallas is 2-3. and three. The division's terrible. They're in first place. So in a weird way, they're in a good spot. And Tony Dungy stepped in a little bit and got some backlash on social media. You know, everyone's down because the Dak Prescott injury was so ugly and all that. But his bigger point was that Dalton's style under center better suited for the Cowboys to win more. You buying it? Oh, yeah, I think he used a poor choice of words, and then he went on and basically apologized for it, and Tony Dungy has so much goodwill. I mean, he can step in it like 20 times. And he'll <laughs> probably, still right, yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's just been a man of faith and a man of uh, unity, and I can go on and on about Tony Dungy. I mean, his credentials speak for themselves. But, yeah, the point that he was making, I think that I, – I don't know if it's better suited – but I think that the other point, which I don't think is arguable, is in that division, Dallas is still just as much of a threat to win the division right now, today, as they were at this time yesterday, which was obviously before the injury. It was unfortunate. I'm watching that game with my wife, and I'm seeing Prescott, and I said, get down. And sure enough, two seconds later, he tries to get a couple extra yards and we see what happens. And I realize competitive fire and spirit takes over. Uh, but get down. Get down, man. Within, if guys get within two feet of you, you know, already had a pretty good run uh, at that point. You'd gain some yardage. Get down. And, and I said that. And sure enough, it, it, I didn't think it was going to happen. But it did. But if you look at Dalton, I can't go through off the top of my head all the backup quarterbacks on every team. Most of them I probably couldn't name unless I, I would know who they are, but I don't remember if they, who they are. But my point is I can make an argument that Dalton's probably as good or better than any of them. He can win you ball games, So that was a great signing 
uh, him. And, he, you know, obviously he played down the road there in TCU. But he came in, and as soon as he saw the injury, he started getting ready, and it was just like, all right, this is what I came here for. So I still expect the Cowboys to be extremely competitive. I'm running through backup quarterbacks real quick as you say that, and I think there is a good chance he's the best. Um, the guys you come up with, uh, the Bears with Nick Foles starting the season as a backup, a guy who's won a Super Bowl, now he's now their starter, so I don't know how you want to count that. And similarly with the Chargers, you know they put a rookie in as their backup, but now – thanks to the team, Doc, uh, he's the starter. So Herbert at the start. I mean, you, you go into the season, who was in a better Dalton switch? i those guys either way. Yeah, right? And I'm trying to come up with better examples than that, and that's what I've come up with off the top of my head are those two guys. Uh, so uh, This, is, this yeah. is not an Earl Morrill, Bob Greasy situation. Wow. Way back in the day. Look <laughs> at you go. Wow. What a pull. you got to remember where I grew up. This is a good point. In the Northeast, it was all NFL. NFL was so where the it was year at, that man. for those of you who are under the age of you know 120 um, and haven't read your football history books, the Dolphins went 17 and 0, the only undefeated team. And I know this because the Chargers broke Bob Greasy's leg in Game Five, and then Earl Morrill took him all the way to Super Bowl, and Greasy came back and won the Super Bowl. But Morrill won the rest of the regular season, fourteen and zero. So five, they were, he finished the fifth game, and then uh, he would have had to start nine more and two playoff games. Okay, you want current? I'll give you Phil Sims and Jeff Hostetler. <laughs> he just moved from the seventies to the eighties. People, we're, we're picking up speed. Now I don't think now, there was the a 80s, backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, in the next decade, actually, that would have been Phil Sims. Was that ninety uh, one that they did that? I can't remember. Yeah, I think that was 90s, actually, not 80s. <laughs> that was yesterday. <laughs> uh, Jim Pluckett was the 80s backup who won the title. He came on because uh, Dan Pastorini broke his leg. There you go. All right, uh, who else has done it with a backup quarterback? Backup quarterbacks who won Super Bowls. Let's go, people. Foles, obviously. I just brought him up. Nick Foles, yeah. He'd be the two thousand. He'd be the twenty tens. So we're missing the two thousands. Once a decade, it happens, people. Once a decade. All right. So uh, there's the football news. Uh, the um, college football. We talked a lot of BYU this morning, uh, and we'll get to some of this in the feedback here. Did they have a bad game? Or were they exposed? Are they a flawed team that was exposed? And I think the only thing you can really say where they were exposed, because I think a lot of the mistakes are just on them. They weren't sharp. They weren't focused. They'd won too easily too many weeks in a row, and you just can't be that perfect that many weeks in a row. But UTSA did have a pass rush, and they did get to Zach Wilson. And when your quarterback's that good, if you can't defend a guy, then you better go knock him down. So there's more where that came from. Everybody's going to see that tape, and everybody's going to think, yeah, we better go. We better go get him. At least make him uncomfortable. Hopefully sack him, but at least make him uncomfortable. So I think that's the one thing, if you're going to say exposed, uh, is BYU going to be able to handle every exotic blitz that gets thrown at them? I'm more concerned on the defensive side because offense is about rhythm and timing and sometimes those things aren't there. Defense, you know, they say the defense travels. Uh, well, the fact is that kid came off the bench. What was 17 to 20? Is that yes. what, what the, That's just way too much. And he had a lot of success. And, you know, they scored a touchdown there. 
that was just so easy, and the kid was wide open. Uh, so I'm concerned about defensively. That, to me, was of all the things that were disappointing, that was the most disappointing. They need to rally defensively because offensively, it's almost like basketball in terms of offense can come and go to an extent. I think the offense will be okay. Uh, that's stuff that you can fix, work on, clean up, that type of thing. But defensively, they weren't overwhelmed by any stretch. But And, and the defense had been uh, a secondary story because the offense had been so good. So the offense came down to earth a little bit. All right, uh, they, they, they can get better. They know that. And I suspect they will be better. But defensively, that would be where I'm most concerned. How much of that was legitimate or how much of that was miscommunication and bad angles and bad whatever technique? You know, Kalani always likes to look at the film. And it was interesting. I always like to read the, the moods of the coaches in the postgame. And Kalani was, he was trying to downplay it, you know, give the credit to UTSA. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's fine. That, that's great because you're 4-0. So give all the credit to UTSA, but if, if you're four and one, then that UTSA win looks more suspicious. If you're five and zero, oh, it doesn't look near as alarming. Right. Then it really was just a just a bad week, and you yeah. won, and you won anyway. I thought he mentioned UTSA a lot, and I thought the one thing he was trying to be careful of, I could really almost hear in his voice, is. I can't come off like a sore winner. Nobody likes a sore winner. I meant to give Steve Cleveland a hard time, and I forgot to do it. Doggone it. Uh, LeBron came off as a sore winner. It was very MJ Hall of Fame speech. You know, coach wants his respect, GM wants his respect, the, the organization, the fans. I want my damn respect. I'm like, yeah, but I think LeBron, LeBron wants it more. LeBron thinks of himself as a social leader. But see, I, I thought that, he was talking basketball in that minute. He was talking about Laker fans. I thought that was very basketball. I didn't think that was political. If it was political, then I get it because he's taking a lot of heat about that, so that would get you upset. But I thought he was talking basketball. And if you just stay inside the lines, I mean, he's getting a ton of run. <laughs> I mean, people are not dumping on him. Maybe versus Jordan or Russell. Okay. Oh, but Right, exactly. He's getting a ton of respect as a player. They play those games. He's already getting himself fired up to go back-to-back and go get a fifth title? Whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a long go way ahead away. and say whatever you want. It was, it was harmless. It, yeah. it, it didn't offend me. It's typical, us against the world. I'm so used to it. I know, but I when you win I told you that story the one year in 1986 when the Mets won the division by like 25 games and somebody i think it was strawberry nobody believed in us yeah right (laughs) (laughs) which leads you to the baseball story that you were going to get yeah the the baseball uh joe morgan uh passed away at the age of 77 and a longtime broadcaster before that an excellent player i can remember him with the big red machine he was awesome he had this bizarre twitch with his left arm that was the thing that always i can as a little kid i think like i at least half the kids in the neighborhood did that, did that twitch. Like, that was going to make you a better hitter if you had flinched your left arm or something. I don't well, know. Well, did Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan was literally simply the best second baseman that I have ever seen play the game. I, just, I was just reading one of the obits in the break, and I don't know whose it was. But it was, uh, they said he was the best second baseman since World War I. 
That's in a hundred years. Yeah, there's some guys way back when. I mean, I don't even know what position did Rogers Hornsby or Ty Cobb play. I don't even know what they played. I think one of them might have played second. But in my lifetime, without question, I mean, that just gives you an idea of how great that Reds team was because you have the greatest catcher of all time, which I think is undisputed in Johnny Bench, and then you have the greatest second baseman. Well, that's half of what they say to be strong up the middle. And then you had Pete Rose, who was the best base hitter of all time. No wonder, man, they were awesome. They were, and they, 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 any any era, they'd be absolutely awesome. What a what a ball club that they had. And Joe Morgan was right there in the thick of smaller guy, obviously, but just an incredible, incredible baseball player. Baseball, you got a doubleheader coming up today. You got Monday Night Football. We don't have the the doubleheader on Monday Night Football because they they moved the Bronco game back to next weekend and shuffled schedules around big time. But if you're looking for sports tonight uh, and this afternoon, it's Game 2 in the ALCS. The Rays pitching carried them to a 2-1 win in Game 1 last night. So they'll play on TBS at 2 o'clock. Dodgers and Braves on Big Fox at 6 o'clock. And Monday Night Football about 6.30. It's the Chargers and the Saints. Anything else you want to hit? You just, yes, you just said the dumbest thing you've ever said. Well, that's probably not true, but what was it No, it is. You said, if you're looking for sports today. (laughs) If? If? Some people may not be looking for sports at 2 o'clock. They might have to work. They're not listening to us right now. Oh, they might be. Don't kid yourself, man. Scotty G, I got to tell you, Scotty is a genius who cannot be confined by time and space. I would agree holy, with that. Holy cow. Uh, he Best was, manager I've ever worked for. He was talking to me about oh, where our downloads are at, how people consume. And he was talking about in reference because he and Jake both produced our show in the early days. And so, you know, we've been together a long time in different roles. But we've been together a long time. He says, in the time we've been on the air, the way people consume uh, quote unquote radio, audio. It's changing so much. I understand that, but what does that have to do with sports fans? Because some of them are going to be listening to this after the Rays game is over. They are not looking for it. It's over. Yes, we're broadcasting right now to people in their cars. And those numbers are still huge, by the the way. There's no if. doesn't matter. If they're listening later, they didn't need if because they already knew it was on. I get your whole point, but never say if. You're listening. You're looking for sports to watch on our station. Never say that again. Repent ye. If you're going to be with us next, oh, that's stupid too. Uh, your feedback coming up. Your takes, especially on BYU. We got a lot of them. We will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over, almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. It's our friend Sam Amick. Any timetable as far as what this next season will look like? I mean, right now, they're kind of targeting that Martin Luther King, January 18th. You know, that's what they're hoping for. If you did January through September, maybe that's the plan. I do think they're learning some things the hard way right now. Finals ratings are down, and there's a bunch of reasons. But it seems pretty clear right now that October is not really working out so well for the NBA audience. And really, so that stuff worries them. It's not even just plans in terms of discussions. It's reams and reams of binders and folders and proposals and scenarios and PowerPoint presentations we're trying to gain out for every possible scenario. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's obvious they weren't as good as everyone was touting they were. Yes, they had multiple, multiple games that they won by lots of points. 
but look who they were playing. Look who they were playing, UTSA, BYU. They just have a bad game, or were they exposed? That came in from Ben. That was from Ben right there. Uh, Nate kicks the can down the road. He says, well, no, on Friday. I bet we'll, we're, we could be debating it after Friday easily. I mean, we'll we know might more know. on Friday. Right, exactly. We'll know more, but I bet we're still debating it. If they beat Houston, then the bar is raised because here comes Boise State. Well, it's traditional. When BYU beats somebody, that team sucks. <laughs> Bad game, Denton says. Troy's a better team than UTSA, and BYU kicked the you-know-what out of them. Bad games happen. See Toledo and South Florida. Good news is they still won this game. Well, that's the ultimate good news. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Tom goes the other way. Exposed. One word answer. And Cam says both. And I considered both. They did play a bad game, but we also learned they're fundamentally flawed. I could see where you could make that case because, you know, a lot of these mistakes, the, you know, some of the handoffs, that didn't have anything to do with the UTSA. Guys just weren't running the same play at the same time. But you can look at the pass rush stuff and say, yeah, there's, there's stuff you can do with blitzes and stunts, and you can, you can get to the quarterback. And if you can, then they're not going to average 50 points a game and blow teams out, and they're not the team we thought they were. Okay, but to say they're flawed, isn't that a big duh? Name me a team that isn't. There's like two of them. Right. The Seahawks and who? Clemson. Al- Alabama gave up 48, so cross them off the list. Yeah. Uh, also, when you were bringing up, uh, you started something. You were just screwing around with the Bob Greasy Earl Moral, uh, and, and then and then you and then you went Hostetler because this is all because with Dak Prescott getting hurt. Can you can you lose a starting quarterback and win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback? So we listed an example in the seventies and the nineties, and then I remembered Pastorini from the eighties. Nick Foles is a recent example, but I couldn't come up with someone from the twenty uh, the the twenty aughts or whatever we're calling that decade. There were two that I have now, and the one I missed is horrific, and that only one person mentioned it on Twitter. That means a gazillion of you blew it. Tom Brady. Tom Brady got his break because of an injury, and they won the Super Bowl. Ah, And then the other one is Kurt Warner. That was a preseason injury, but nonetheless, it was in the season. Trent Green went down. So there's multiple examples. It ain't over till it's over, PK. Hope springs eternal for Cowboy fans. All right, give me a Lenny Kravitz. It ain't over till it's over. Sure, yeah. Well, I, I think that they have it, too. I think Dalton, in my mind, has proven capable. Now teams will adjust to him, and he'll have to make the adjustments. So old Kellen Moore, you know, Boise State quarterback, who's the OC, they're going to have to go. But I don't think their season is lost. DJ and PK, we are out of time. Scotty and Hans are coming up next. We'll see you.